BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, y'all. I'm Jen Horan-Jeff, founder of Savvy Cooperative, and I'm thrilled to be here on the Offscript Media Network to talk to you about a dirty little word, non-compliant. Because patients are labeled non-compliant all the time, but more often than not, it's because the system hasn't been designed in a way that works for them. I truly believe that patients have the power to influence the future of healthcare. So join me as we take on healthcare and challenge the status quo, because sometimes non-compliance is what moves the needle. What up, Jen? Hey, Matt. What's going on? Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, and I've got a case of the Mondays. Well, I do as well. It's already a long day. This is the end of a Monday, and it feels like Monday's already been a week. I know. I know. We are, we are living in uh, flux capacitor times. I know. Quantum realms here. Who knows what day, time, or universe we're on. As we're recording this, like it's interesting because as of this recording today, in the news is the Biden administration is trying to work with the Secretary of Education and the new whole system. They got to reopen schools and the CDC is like, reopen schools. And I can't wait. My wife can't wait. Please open schools. You know, like whatever semblance of fifth grade crapness my kids are slogging through. It'd be nice if there was some coherence between now and the end of June. I cannot empathize as being childless, yes. but I respect and admire all of you that have been slugging through this impossible year. So hats off. I like the slogging and slugging thing that you just did there. It's I did we or did we not say that it's Monday? Yes, it's a sh- we can slug all we want today. So please forgive my made up words. Yes. So so what are we uh, what are we discussing today? You had you had reached out to me on Friday saying I gotta get on the the mic. There's something going on. What's what's the hotness? So the hotness is: Did you see this sort of new initiative company? It's a company drop called I I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Truveta. Did you hear about this? Who names these things? I know. that Honestly, that sounds like a sugar packet yes, supplement. Yes, it's Truvia's competitor. Yeah. So whatever that is. But what it is, is it is a company that is made up of different hospitals that have come together to sell patient data. Is this news to you? It sounds a little Orwellian, but is there any positive take from what you just said? Well, I mean, okay, yes, yes, Matthew, setting the stage, the positive take would be, of course, that we can learn a lot from all this patient data because patient data is like hugely valuable. So there's a lot of potential positive for what this could mean for society. Okay. There's a but. So what, all right, so, so fuel my cynic, what's the downside? Well, I saw this and like, so this has been in the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg covered it and just the way that they speak about it, that they talk about it being like a gold rush and treasure troves of data. And there's zero mention of the fact that 
who's making that data? Ding, ding, ding. What goes back to everything you stand for. It's like, we're the people who is this data. And I said, is as an intentional wrong pronoun. We is this data. (laughs) We is this data. Yeah. That's our new podcast. Welcome to We Is This Data. And yet we don't get anything out of helping them make money. I mean, I just like saw this and I was like, oh my gosh, how is this? How is this not something that was screened for? Or even in just, I read the articles and the interviews looking for some glean of hope that they were going to at least acknowledge this in terms of the patients being the ones that are creating the data. And so, of course, my question as somebody who runs a cooperative is what is an equitable way for those patients to share in the value of that data that clearly these folks on the board and as part of this organization have acknowledged is so valuable. And obviously there's no mention of that, but I think it's deeper than just financial compensation. To me, I'm concerned about the fact that it doesn't even give patients a choice. That if your health system has opted in, is now part of this new company, Truveta, then if that is my care system, what do I do if I'm not comfortable with my data being sold? Right, because your stuff's already there. It's like when they sell your mortgage to another company. Yeah, your data's already there. Or what if you don't want to give them any more data? And so now what do you do? I mean, what kind of goes through your head? You're sort of in this position where it's not actually a choice because you need to go see your doctor or there might not be another hospital close by that you could even reasonably travel to. So they kind of just like get the patients right where they want them and take away any sort of agency they have in sharing that data. I'm I'm still stuck on the, we've sold your mortgage to this other company that shows up in the mail one day and you had no control over their decision to do that because they hold your mortgage. Were there any notifications sent to these patients saying, by the way, what we already own is now owned over here too? Yeah. I mean, obviously I know very little about this. I'm coming on just to express my discontent, even in just the rollout. Maybe they're considering some of these things, but as a patient, I'm immediately concerned about what the heck is happening. And what's funny is in the Wall Street Journal article, they it's actually put in quotes. They say that this data is going to be for quote unquote, you can't see my little fingers here, but <laughs> all ethical research. Any idea what a definition of all ethical research is? It sounds nice, but like, I don't know what that means. Sounds like when you say you're doing something entirely ethical, it (laughs) doesn't sound like you're actually going to do anything entirely ethical. Well, it's like, why would you say that if it should already be implied? It's like, wait a minute. Now I'm concerned. No, I just... it. And of course, they say it's going to be anonymized. And I trust to the best of their ability. Yes, of course, they're not going to share names and contact information. But we do know that data can be re-identified if there are enough data points put together. So it's really hard to make some of these claims enough so that everybody would be comfortable with sharing that data. And again, somebody's profiting off of this. They are a company. They're not a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. They are a company that is created for the sole reason of making a profit off of what they identify as being a really rich and profitable uh, ethical, commodity. Ethical, ethical, ethical. I'm going to say ethical. Ethical. air quotes on the radio, ethical. 
<laughs> I mean, again, I think it's great that we can aggregate data and that we can hopefully advance a lot of the research that needs to be out there. I mean, I, I'm not trying to poo-poo that. I just want to make sure that patients are cut in to these benefits and that they have any sort of agency. If there is no ability to opt out and say, no, please do not include my data in this data set, that's where, again, I think it's just putting data, uh, putting data, putting patients in impossible positions where they would have to decide between getting their care or sharing their data for another company to profit. I mean, is there any upside to this consolidation where like maybe there's only one portal now instead of 40 portals to help these poor people out? I think that we already know that that is a huge issue that is not going to be solved because of another company's formation to help hospital systems profit. So I don't think that inherently is making this any better. I think the 21st Century Cures Act is attempting to make that a reality and what is now required by law to make it easier to have interoperability between patient portals. So I think that that was already set in motion, but I don't, I don't know. I don't believe that there has been any talk of this improving that patient experience. It's about selling data for somebody else's benefit. Heaven Heaven forbid we make it easier for human beings. I would love to see some kind of like random study that correlates how many health systems have a mobile app versus how many that don't versus how many that brag that the mobile app is only for iPhone and all these Android people, what? Sorry, can't use it. Like where in lies this magic, I don't know, idiocracy that we're going to modernize the way we help our patients engage with a crappy app that only works on this versus we have no app and the website sucks anyway. And you need Internet Explorer and a DeLorean to go back to 1998 to use it. Netscape only. Netscape only. (laughs) I know. So I don't know. It's just it's bananas to me that we are where we are from interoperability standpoint that just makes the struggles so hard for patients. I mean, even over the weekend, I actually magically got my COVID vaccine appointment. I was so thrilled. I know. So next week, this time, I'll be sitting here with a sore arm, shot full of science. And I'm super (laughs) pumped Shot full of science. Shot full of science. (laughs) So that's really, but let me tell you about my registration experience because that was fascinating. They said that the appointments were going to be released at 8 a.m. on February 14th so that you could start scheduling when people with pre-existing conditions were eligible on February 15th. So I sat down and at 8 a.m. I've got all my browsers open, trying all these different sites, both the state sites, the more local sites, because I had no clue which ones were going to open up. And what I found was that on Chrome, which is usually my browser of choice, I was getting an error. So I decided I would open up Safari. And I open up Safari and I'm able to get through on the state site. I put in all my information, my insurance information. I do all the little radio buttons, which had a horrible user interface and was very challenging to continue to do. And ultimately, it would then hang as soon as you get to the confirmation page. It says, great, hit register and you hit register and then it would glitch. And so I tried this probably 10 times before I'm like, wow, this is not working on Safari. And Chrome at that point had said, the site's overloaded. We can't do it. 
And then I got really sneaky and I realized that if I took the Safari URL and pasted it into Chrome, then I got past ah. it. And what luckily was then I was able to share that. I tweeted that out and helped a lot of other patients get appointments, but it was a terrible system. And I also then heard that a lot of people were having issues on mobile, that it wasn't working even nearly as quote unquote well as it was for me on desktop. And there lies inherent other disparity issues. If you could only really have a smoother registration process on desktop than on mobile when so many people only have a smartphone or mobile device. So all of this is just very challenging for patients. I love that you're the the COVID uh, vaccine mission patient possible life hack human being at this point. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, look, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If anybody is more motivated to get through this, <laughs> it's process, you. It's, yeah. Well, it's patients. They'll figure it out. They have to hack their ways through to the end. I know. So, and then you got to share it with each other. So we're just crowdsourcing how to make shit happen. I, I feel like they could have solved the entire planet's uh, troubles with registering for the vaccines if they just hired iHeartRadio. Because all they do is concert tickets all day, every day, and they know how to deal with sellout events at 12.01 in the morning. That's all you need. They got it done. They got it right. For 20 years, they figured out how to get those, those concert tickets at 12.01 in the morning. That's the vaccine registration. Please just go to iHeartRadio. That's really fascinating. I don't know if it's... I mean. I don't know if, if I've ever bought anything off iHeartRadio. Is it Ticketmaster or something? One of them... in instituted like a little like running person that showed like sort of your progress right. in the ticket line <laughs> yeah. that showed like you're the like 300th person yes. and so I, I liked that at least I knew where I was but or um, like Domino's when you order a pizza it does have the little walking person thing that goes across your screen prepared on the way in the truck a mile away like Domino's I heard radio yeah fine Ticketmaster too telecharge I don't care these things, these guys know how to do this stuff. And God, no one else does. Well, I mean, did you see all the people that have hacked these systems? Not hacked in like a bad way, but have um, like engineers that have created their own sites that aggregate all of the vaccine appointments. I've seen this in Massachusetts, saw it here in New York City. So what's out there is not awesome that people then find solutions. It's like the allegory of how clinicaltrials.gov is terrible. So there's all the other like cover band websites that do a better job at it. Yeah, that put like a skin on it and a better filter yeah. to, to grab it better. I know it's just, but that's the thing is those things were never actually meant for patients to use them in the way that they attempt to. They're just there because <laughs> people have to, they have to report their trials. They dump them on there, but it's a horrible user experience. Yeah, I feel like this is just a, a slightly better version of when um, uh, was healthcare.gov launched 10 years ago or whatever. Oh I mean, gosh, at least they, we, we, we should have known better. We knew it was going to happen again. I mean, I guess the site's not crashing right away is progress. <laughs> I know. Well, it was 14 minutes before it started glitching and crashing. So that was um, a new record. Yeah. Well, I'm getting, as of this taping, I'm getting my second vaccination a week from this coming Friday. So I'm sure by the time we do our next episode, my arm will be equally swollen as yours will be very shortly. I'm so excited for you and for me. 
and for the world. Fun fact of the day, I think I just closed this. Um, I had a very violent reaction to the vaccine. I was under a blanket with a mild fever and aches for 48 hours. But I talked to, you know, the doctor people that I know and then like, well, that just means that you have a very strong immune system. And the supposition is that because they already had the antibodies from having it in February, it kind of overly predisposed me to have this hyper reaction to it. Interesting. But of course, that's like N of one. Like how many people know they have the exact same antibody load that they had nine months ago and then had the vaccine? Yeah, moving target, not going to work. But I'm already preparing to be under a blanket for another 48 hours when I get the second shot. Hopefully it will not be that, but better than the alternative and a good problem to have. I know. Well, that's what I I have sort of been looking at my schedule now to prepare for some of these things, assuming that my first dose, I might feel lousy, but not incapacitated. And I my shots will be on Sunday evening. So mm. therefore, my Mondays will not be great. Talk about if we think this Monday. Right. <laughs> yeah. Forget Monday. today, Monday. Right. <laughs> Oh, just imagine. So yeah, so next Monday, I'll just be kind of, you know, not having a super hardcore day in the my what three weeks later, Monday will be perhaps even worse. Now, that's why I got mine on Friday, because I knew if something bad was going to happen, I just if I had nothing to do that weekend, I'd rather be under a blanket on a Saturday and Sunday than a, well, in a I'm week. I'm so happy for you ha, that la, you la, la, to get your Friday <laughs> appointment. That's what my mom had. And she was oh, like, that's the best day. I'm like, cool. Well, you know, some of us were just scrambling to get any appointment. No, believe me, I got lucky too. Like, I, like I'm going to channel the concert ticket Thing again, like I like refreshing your browser in 2004 to get to the YouTube reunion. Like that was my life back then. And at like two in the morning, sure enough, it happened to be a Friday jackpot. Grabbed it. I mean, that's what I was. I was strategically looking for times that and a little bit out and times that had enough appointments so that I was thinking that as it was processing, I was least likely to be usurped by somebody else who hit submit sooner. Right. So it was like a game in my head. You know, on, the, on one of the first episodes we did on the non-compliant, we talked about how there are several people that don't want to get the vaccine because of, I, I, was it like a vegan issue or you know, is that, have you, is that surfaced? Have you been witness to that narrative? I haven't heard that particular narrative since, um, but obviously we know that the vaccination rate is so low in so many different demographics. We have a long way to go until this is even close to equitable, but part of it is the education around, around vaccines and making sure that people know that this is safe and effective. So what have you been hearing in the ether of your Twitterverse about the thank God that people with crapness, in quotes, right, can actually get vaccinated now. Is that a state by state thing still? As far as I know, it's state by state. So I'm super grateful that New York is finally in that position. As far as I know, Massachusetts, which is my my home state, so I know a little bit more about that. To my knowledge, I think that they have to have two pre-existing conditions to qualify right now. What? I could be wrong. I believe that's what the deal is. Being is being Jewish and neurotic a pre-existing condition? I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> I love but, that like you create this like sliding scale of how sick and dying are you to qualify to get the vaccine. Seriously. 
Well, I mean, now the question and in, in conversations that I've been having on Twitter are like, how do you prove it? Right. And, and that's what my concern has always been. Like, I don't know. But because I'm a bit of a nerd that I was doing sort of the math that at least at the Javits Center in New York City, that there they had intervals every 15 minutes to sign up for the vaccine. And it looked like they had 20 slots per interval of 15 minutes. So therefore, even if you have several people helping to check people in, that's still more than a person a minute that they are checking in for those appointments. Right. So thinking about the due diligence that somebody is doing as they are checking them in, they're not looking up all of my rare diseases to see how immunocompromised I am. So my plan is just to show my patient portal, which brings in, or my, my Apple health app and show my multiple portals right. that are brought in <laughs> list out like it's fun if you go to the you know show me my diseases from a to z right wow look at them they're so adorable gonna bring some like pointillist painting with you to demonstrate the cornucopia of plushies that represent everything wrong with you i love I bring, like, a yeah. flip chart <laughs> Here's my like, you know, you know story. You're going to get there, Jen. You're like, all right, just sit down. We'll do this. They're not going to look. Yeah. That's what, like, I don't actually think they're going to even be able to do too much vetting. No, but. there's there's no way. But I love the, you must be this sick to ride this roller coaster idea that just doesn't make any sense. Well, all I know is I'm grateful to be on the list and I will report back on what that process is like. And who knows, maybe the Cruella DeVille nonprofit that isn't a nonprofit that sells your data to combine hospitals together that we talked about at the top of the segment will own that information too. You're right. Oh my gosh. I need to, I didn't even go and look to see which of the hospitals yet are part of that. I needed to see if my hospitals, shame on me. Wait, it wasn't Cruella. It sounded like Cruella. Cruella, what was it? Truvetta. Truvetta. Truvetta DeVille. Yeah. No, I don't want to throw them under the bus because I don't know all the details on if they have any potential desire to be more equitable to the patients generating said data. Remember, they're ethical, right? Everything's ethical. Ethical research. We're so ethical. This is just my uh, gentle encouragement and reminder to people that are thinking about profiting off of patient data to A, consider how you are going to reward said patients for putting their bodies on the line to generate that data. And also, do better marketing where you at least acknowledge this. Otherwise, it just looks pretty shady that the only things I'm seeing are quote unquote ethical research and how the companies are going to make a bunch of money. But those of us sitting here reading it are saying, cool. And I, as a patient, (laughs) get what out of this? Do I even get like access to like research reports? I know. Tell, like I remember when I was a child, I was in a case study that was published. And I remember hearing that. And then as an adult, especially as an academic, I'm like, can I go figure out which case study I am in some published journal? And I have no idea. But wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. Hey, look, mom, a movie star. Mom in the New England Journal of Medicine. Yes, exactly. On the next exciting episode of Captain Obvious... Oh, yeah. I mean, just like uh, there are different like forms of currency. I do believe in financial currency and the U.S. dollar or similar. But at the very least, we should be communicating 
data and research results back to the participants. We talk about this in clinical trials all the time. People participate, put their bodies on the line, and then poof, they never hear about it again. And so same things we need to think about with digital data as well, just like what is happening and how can the patients at least go, oh, wow, I was a part of that. I'm not saying that's the only reward they should get, but at the very least, they should get that. Ah, the wishful thinking of aspirational thought leadership. <laughs> that is you, Jen Harja. <laughs> well, you know, to bring this back and to share my sort of final non-compliant thought that when it comes to this type of research where the patients are not able to opt out of sharing their data, it puts them in an uncomfortably non-compliant position should they not want to participate then they may choose to not see their doctors. And so that is not their fault. It is yet another reflection of the system that is forcing them into positions they don't want to be in. On that note, be sure to join Savvy Co-op to join the Anger Squad to make things better. How's that? <laughs> anger Squad, look, let's paint a pretty picture. We want to work cooperatively in order to advance and accelerate innovations in a more real, not air quote, ethical way. Wouldn't you agree that just channeling pissed offness for the betterment of society and not the worsening of society is a good thing? <laughs> yes, that I will agree upon wholeheartedly. Okay, great. Well, this has been non-compliant and yet we're, we're encouraging compliance and yet discouraging compliance because you could be made on non-compliant by ethical research, end quote. <laughs> and for a Monday evening, my head just exploded. All right, folks. Thanks again. See you next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. So. Are you ready to challenge the status quo? Well, join me as we take on healthcare. Whether you're a patient who wants to share your story or a company who needs that valuable patient input. Well, come on over to Savvy Cooperative. Visit us at www.savvy.coop. I'm Jen Horinjo. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Noncompliant. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley, Jen Orange, and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.